0: What's going on, everyone, and welcome into this edition of B-Shape Daily Live. As tonight, Tuesday, May 23rd, 2023, we're talking about a St. Louis Cardinals win 8-5 to over the Cincinnati Reds as the Cardinals improve to 22-28, which my uh, co-host on the big show on KTGR tells me is an important mark for the Cardinals to have reached by the 50-game plateau because based on his research, and I didn't vet it, I trust him, But he said there's only been a few instances ever in Major League Baseball history of a team after 50 games being 22 and 28 and being able to come all the way back to win their division. And there's never been a team that's been lower than 22 and 28 that has done so. And so the Cardinals able to meet that mark. But I think the way that we view the central division is that the Cardinals are still very much in the mix uh, because, well, it's not that strong of a division. I think it was uh, David Ross that I saw a tweet today that he said, Yeah, luckily, you know, the Cubs only four and a half games back thanks to the uh, shitty play of everybody else in the division is what I believe uh, Rossi was quoted as saying. So, yeah, the division's up for grabs, and I still maintain that the Cardinals are the best team in it, but they are going to have some issues. Starting pitching remains one, and I think that continues with what we saw even tonight in a winning effort by the Cardinals. As Adam Wainwright, this was a situation where I think pretty clearly the Cardinals needed to get, some innings from Adam Wainwright, and he didn't go quite as deep as I think they would have liked to have seen. And so whatever your thoughts are on Wainwright's outing, your thoughts are on the offensive performance. Two home runs by Goldsmith was good to see after some of the kind of so-so mediocre at-bats that maybe he has taken in recent days. He bounced back in a big way with a couple of bombs. Uh, We can talk about Tommy Edmund from the right side against a right-handed pitcher. Saw some good results from him today as well. Maybe that's something that's going to stick around and and happen a little more frequently moving forward. I'll I'll be kind of curious to see uh, what ends up becoming of that situation. But a lot to get to from today's Cardinals game, including an Arenado ejection that played into, uh, well, not the result of the game, as the Cardinals still were able to win it, but one that I think Twitter was really upset about because uh, Will Little, the umpire that ejected him, maybe didn't give him a lot of leeway in that spot. I thought, well... There may have been some other things that play with this, and I I wasn't surprised, honestly, to see Arenado ejected in this one. So all that and more coming up on B-Shape Daily tonight, B-Shape Daily Live, that is. Uh, So let's get into all of it tonight on B-Shape Daily. Make sure that you are subscribed to the YouTube channel. That's the main thing. You will be able to comment just as soon as you are subscribed. It will be about a minute delay, and then you're able to comment right here. Uh, Let's get the likes up to 20 if you could. If you haven't liked the stream just yet, would love and appreciate you to do so and subscribe to the channel as we uh, are closing in now on 850. 900 is a a, a big goal, and then 1,000 to really be able to get this thing cooking. So everybody who subscribes really helps me out there. Um, But, yeah, make sure that if you miss any of the stream, you can check out Spotify in the morning. It'll be uh, audio only on that platform. Other than that, without further ado, as they say, let's go ahead and rock and roll. Trevor says, what's up? Uh, Glad Libertor wasn't used in relief today. He very well could have been since Wayno was correctly removed with 77 pitches. Yes, I believe that the decision to take Adam Wayne right out was the right one. He just did not have, you know, great stuff today. He, he grinded. He battled. It's kind of been the story of his season so far as we take a look on the box score here. Five and two-thirds gave up eight hits, just the one walk, but eight hits, five runs come around to score, and one home run. Yeah, that's kind of a the kind of start you might expect from Wainwright in this ballpark, unfortunately, because he is a pitch-to-contact guy, especially at this point in his career. And a lot of times you look for that soft contact to be able to help out Adam Wainwright and his game plan and, and have some success. But in that ballpark, it is just a horrible match. And so I figured Wainwright would give up a few hits and a few runs today, but the Cardinals, I think, were hoping to keep it below five, because when they had that 7-3 to three lead, in that situation, what you'd really love to see is Wainwright be able to go out give you six or seven innings, at least pitch into the seventh with the way things had been trailing, uh, trending, I should say, for the bullpen recently for the Cardinals. Uh, They needed more innings out of him than they got, unfortunately. Just a second. Apologies, guys. I might have to kind of break in and out a little bit, blow my nose and things like that tonight. Um, Yeah, they needed more innings out of Adam Wainwright, honestly, than they got tonight. But I thought it was 100% the right decision by McEwing, Marmel, whoever was pulling the strings at that point in time to get him out of there because you were at risk of this game getting away from you. The Cardinals led 7-3. That was really the perfect scenario to be able to get deep and say you can have a little bit of margin for error if you're Adam Wainwright. Uh, but he used up all that margin for error and then some, uh, ultimately, and needed to be pulled at the time that he was. Stratton came in and did a really nice job. That's another aspect of this game that maybe gets lost a little bit in the shuffle. Uh, the job that he did tonight, an inning in a third, able to kind of settle things down there. In the end of the sixth inning, gets the key strikeout pitches the seventh on a night that honestly I didn't know coming in what the Cardinals would necessarily have in their bullpen. Uh, and the fact that Gallegos and Helsley were ultimately both available for this game was uh, somewhat surprising to me. I kind of figured Gallegos might be a guy that he's kind of had that rubber band arm syndrome, right, where he just kind of is able to to get out there in situations on back-to-backs and things of that nature. Um, so I wasn't too shocked to see him out there. I was surprised, though, to see Ryan Helsley out there after – Uh, throwing the ninth inning yesterday and then getting in for the 10th and the couple of batters that he faced there. I definitely was surprised to see uh, that situation unfold, but I thought it was a good one for the Cardinals because he is your best reliever, and so that's a guy you want in that spot. But then I think the narrative is going to continue. I've been saying in recent days I don't buy into it that Helsley can't pitch uh, the second inning of an outing. He can't – you know, I don't think that's a narrative that I believe. And now another narrative that is beginning to build is that Helsley can't go in back-to-backs. Even though he's done it before, and by and large this season has been an effective reliever for the Cardinals. Um, Even after a rocky ninth inning tonight, his ERA for the season is 3.0. Two walks and a hit in that inning had had gotten dangerously close to getting out of it with no damage whatsoever. Um, Had the first two outs pretty easily, then a base hit, walked a couple guys in a row and was able to ultimately get out of it, thankfully, uh, for the Cardinals to avoid the situation that would have been just a disaster if they wasted an eight-run outing by the offense. Uh, So the Cardinals get that win. They get a little bit back closer to that equilibrium that we've talked about looking for a 500 season. Um, But yeah, I want to get into the Libertor thing because that was news that came from the afternoon and to me just didn't make a lot of sense that the Cardinals would be uh, potentially willing to jeopardize his chance to start over the weekend after they... I mean, when they brought him up, they said six-man rotation. It wasn't like it was uh, billed as a one-off. And then they kind of changed it a little bit and said, well, you know, we don't have as many relievers available to us because of the fact that Libertor is out there in the bullpen. And so he may need to pitch on this road trip in relief, but it's just going to be on his day. That would be like his side session day, his bullpen day. Uh, He's just going to get his throwing in on the field. What's the matter with that? And they present it like it's this totally normal thing. And strategically, I get it. Like, it's not false what they, you know, portended they were going to do, and it is ultimately what they did over the weekend. I didn't like it, though, because I think you're jerking around a starting pitcher who has promised not only for your present, but for your future if you're the Cardinals. And this is a team that has not done its job developing its young starting pitching prospects in recent years. It just flat out has not been able to get the most out of those types of guys in their organization. And so to say that, yeah, you're, you're fine with just doing things a little bit off the wall when it comes to Libby, I wasn't keen on it because I thought, you know, there's no reason to to push it and to really uh, take any unnecessary risks with this guy. I understand the situation. I do understand that if you're going to have a six-man rotation, it's going to be more difficult to figure out exactly how you're going to get through games, especially when the rotation that you do have is not efficient. And that is something that falls on really everybody in this rotation. Uh, tonight, not able to get through six was Adam Wainwright. I. It's not like it was terrible to get five and two-thirds, but. Uh, It was five and two thirds of not incredibly effective innings. If you get five runs uh, against you to make a seven to three game, a seven to five game, and suddenly you really do have to think about using the leverage relievers once again, when it would have been nice to get those guys a bit of a break. That's a tough situation to be in. And that's where the Cardinals found themselves tonight um, because Wainwright couldn't quite get it done. So I'm not, I, I get it that he got the pitcher win and I get that he's three away from 200, but that's not a successful outing by Adam Wainwright and this week, you've had other outings. Uh, Jordan Montgomery, not successful to only go four innings. It, they, they need more out of these starters. We've said it. We've said it. We've said it. We will continue to say it. But the Cardinals do. They need a lot more than what they have been getting out of the rotation right now. And so, yes, Trevor, I agree. Removing Weino with 77 pitches was right because you needed to win this game. And they end up using Gallegos and Helsley again. Uh, Gio looked good. Helsley had some struggles there in his ninth inning. Both those guys are going to be unavailable for sure tomorrow. And so once again, we'll be going into another Cardinal game, saying, "Can the starting rotation get deeper into a game? Can they help out? Um, you'll have lefties available. You'll have Jordan Hicks probably available. Like Cabby should be there. Hicks should be there. Verhagen should be uh, available to come in tomorrow. But you got to get six or seven innings out of somebody, and uh, especially when you're you're hoping to be able to save Libertor for a start. It's a good thing that he didn't get in, but I'm surprised that we heard the the noise that yeah he could have been uh, he could have been used as a reliever tonight, which would have. Uh, taking him out of the running for a start over the weekend. Give him a chance to show that he's one of your best five starters. And the only start that he's had, he's kind of shown that he merits consideration for that role. And so, to me, kind of disappointing that they're, even though they didn't do it, that they're treating this like, well, it's something that we can kind of move around, and it's it's a little negligible. The the story kind of changes. First, he's in the six-man rotation. Then, well, we need him to to throw on his side day. Well, we might need to throw him today because the bullpen – this was all very predictable. The starting rotation, doing what it's done is all predictable, and it's why you need a guy like Libby in that starting five or six or however many it's going to be because you want to see if somebody else, some young blood, is able to come up and show a little bit more than what the veterans have done. I get it. It's a veteran-laden rotation. All five of them are veteran pitchers. So I don't really know, honestly, which one could be removed due to performance at any point this season. It's possible that they none of them qualify for that because the threshold would just have to be so high. The error is so grave before the Cardinals would would decide to take action and make a move. But to me, Libertor in the one start that he's given you has done a great job. Give him an opportunity to, to build a little bit of a rhythm and maybe be that guy that can go six or seven innings. And then if he doesn't do it, you have that conversation at that point. But he's earned the opportunity not to be drug around like a reliever at this point. Uh, so I, I hope that's not something that ends up happening in the remainder of this series. I think you should leave him in the rotation like you said you would. And uh, if he continues to earn more starts, you give those to him. As well, um, Otani rumors going crazy. I don't see any Otani rumors, uh, anything new. I could be wrong about that. The Angels are playing right now, uh, but I, I don't think that uh, Otani and the Cardinals is something that's uh, going to be discussed tonight. We're gonna we're gonna have to do uh, the 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 dream scenarios on another day because we've got plenty of actual Cardinals stuff to talk about uh, tonight. And I'll get to Andrew's comment here after a quick sip. Andrew K. mentions another night of a starting pitcher failing to go deep into a game, which, yes, I think it's fair to categorize it that way and have higher expectations, especially for Wainwright. He's got those expectations for himself. So when he doesn't meet them, I think it's okay to – it's not like I'm a guy sitting here whip, ripping Adam Wainwright. I saw some really dumb tweets by some people tonight, and I called some of them out. I think, you know, people have gone overboard with the Waino hate. I get he's not pitching well, but really uh, that's kind of rotation-wide – with the exception of maybe Michaelis, I'll give some credit to for what he's been able to kind of stabilize within his season. Um, but to to act like Adam Wainwright's been bad for years and all this garbage, it's not. It's just patently false. And so I, you know, I, I want to make sure that I state that, but also hold him to the expectations he would have for himself to say, hey, five and two thirds innings and five runs allowed is not what the Cardinals needed out of Wainwright tonight. They got away with it. They got the win. There will be repercussions down the road for having to use Gallegos and Helsley on a back to back. Like, you've still got a a long road trip remaining the rest of this week without an off day, Um, and then you come back home Memorial Day, the day after Memorial Day, then you finally get a couple of off days. They need to buy uh, some some rest for the relievers, especially the leverage guys, and they just have not been able to do it at this point, and there are repercussions for that down the road, so... Cardinals win, but when you're in the situation that they're in six games under 500, a win isn't always the end-all, be-all. You have to say the win matters, and it's a good thing they got it because doing what they did with the pitching in a losing effort would really be uh, discouraging to say, yeah, we, we used Gallegos and Helsley and didn't win any of the games. Two games in a row we did that and didn't win. Like, that would be a tough spot for the Cardinals to be in. So the fact that they did get the win today at least helps a little bit. But the pitching, the pitching, the pitching is going to remain a factor and, and one that is concerning but if you want to talk more about the offense get those comments in get your pitching thoughts in get your helsley thoughts in uh your arenado thoughts the first person to ask about nolan i'm going to kind of go off on my tangent about what i thought about the arenado ejection so um if you want to know about that make sure to ask and then get the likes in we're up to 20 appreciate that next milestone 25 likes let's see if we can do it if you would like to like the stream uh or comment on the stream rather you can do so by just subscribing to the channel, trying to get myself to, uh, let's let's try to get to 850 subscribers really soon would be an awesome goal. And uh, then within one minute, you'll be able to comment on the live stream after you are a subscriber to the channel. So that's a lot of fun. Brent says that Walker hit a nuke today, send down Barrera. Um, the thing with Walker remains what it's always been is when they bring him back up, he needs to be able to play every day. And I think there was maybe a window for that to have happened with the injuries to the the outfielders that they've been uh, kind of enduring recently with Tyler O'Neill, who knows if and when he's coming back, and Dylan Carlson. Uh, but Mercado has kind of taken his opportunity and run with it. I think it was the right call to bring him up, as we've talked about, because he you know, is a little more expendable, at least in your mind he was, in terms of being able to uh, send him out or, or DFA or whatever they would end up needing to do. Now the way he's playing, though, I don't know if he's quite so expendable at all. But the point is, yes, Barrera is extra on this roster right now. But to bring up Walker, they've got to have an everyday spot for him. And right now, I still am not 100% sure that they feel they have that, even if we could look at the lineup and go, yeah, they've got they've got spots for him. <laughs> so we'll end up seeing what goes on with uh, Jordan Walker over the course of time. But I, I And I was asked today, do I think it's going to be trade deadline before we see him? I don't think it's going to be quite that far gone, but my guess right now is like sometime in June would be my guess for Walker returning. Um, let's see. We're going to scroll back up because YouTube's jumping around, which is not an issue there. Uh, Joshua says, uh, when, when can we see Walker called up? He's gotten hot lately. Yeah, man, like it could happen within the next week, but you've also got the, the dominoes are going to fall when it comes to O'Neill and it comes to Carlson. Um, I know that yesterday the update on O'Neill was he's, there's no timetable. Um, I'm telling you, m- mentally the Cardinals have got to forget about Tyler O'Neill right now. I know that sounds crazy, guy. They bestowed the starting center field job to, but if that guy is not going to consistently be <laughs> available to them, uh, the best avail- ability is availability, right? And if he's not available, they've got to be out of sight, out of mind with Tyler O'Neill because they can't keep wondering, well, when is he coming back? When's he gonna? What's he gonna give us? It's it's enough already if he's going to play or he's not and and we'll see when he's ready um i hate to to put it in such kind of blunt language but i i think that's how the cardinals view it at this point to be quite honest with you it's just kind of like we'll see him when we see him because uh and and you know i i have not been on this road trip and so i don't know the latest updates necessarily um but you know we talked to uh will carroll the injury expert on the big show today and he seemed to kind of indicate his thought that it was a deal where it wasn't like a huge setback for O'Neal, but just maybe a, a a mental comfort level with him being able to get back out there with the injury that he had. And, like, I'm not saying that, you know, there's no validity to an injury for a guy. But this far along in the Tyler O'Neill experience, you've got to maybe, again, like you've got to have that confidence and comfort before the Cardinals are going to be able to say, all right, we have confidence in sending you back out there and trusting what we're going to get from you. So we'll see what it happens with O'Neill, But, I mean, I could see a scenario where if O'Neill ends up getting traded or something happens on that front, that would kind of clear a little bit more of an opportunity for Walker. But they're playing a full outfield right now, even without O'Neal and Carlson in the picture. So um, it's really just about when Walker has demonstrated whatever the Cardinals believe he needs to demonstrate to get him back up here, which, again, is kind of ridiculous because he's the same guy that he was when they called him up to begin the season. He started the season on the 26-man roster Four weeks went by, and they suddenly acted like he was a completely different guy, even though he was the exact same guy and produced basically to expectations for what you'd think a 20-year-old and his is just kind of kicking off his major league career would do. But they said, no, we want to see this, this, and that, and so he's been down in Memphis. I don't worry about any struggles that he has. The conversations with uh, Guardians fans on Twitter today was absolutely hilarious. Those guys have no idea how much the Cardinals value Jordan Walker. Why it was confusing to them, I don't really understand because he, you could look at almost any list, and he's the top five in baseball in almost all of them in terms of prospects and number one in uh, in in the MLB pipeline list. So kind of crazy to think that uh, people wouldn't understand that, but you know, fan bases are going to fan base, and today the Guardians had their day. That'll be kind of fun, though, because this weekend the Cardinals will uh, be playing in Cleveland. So that'll be a lot of fun to uh, to kind of track. Uh, Trevor is the first one to bring up the Arenado ejection, so we're going to get right into it. He says, "I understand your view of it. I disagree that it was warranted, but I don't know what was said either." The zone seemed back tonight. Okay, the so, the strike zone was bad tonight. The strike zone was bad last night. I thought there were some some moments in both games that were you know troubling, but they continued to talk yesterday, at least on the radio broadcast, about how much that Arenado was just absolutely riding the umpires for the way the balls and strikes were going and even like going out into the field was still talking and talking and talking, you know how Arnado can get. He's a passionate guy. And so when he's upset about something, if the balls and strikes or whatever, he's a fierce competitor. He's going to let you hear it as the umpire. And I thought yesterday, the first game of a series, here's why I think it does connect back to yesterday. And it's not just a one day, one thing. It's the same umpiring crew. And if you're an umpiring crew, you're trying to set a tone for a series and try to not have any of these kinds of issues and just because you suck at calling balls and strikes doesn't mean you want to hear about it all the time. And even though umpires are terrible, like objectively, a lot of them are just bad. Over the course of time, as a player, you've got to understand, like, you can you can tow a line, you can walk a line, you can't cross the line. I think the umpires could have ejected him yesterday based on the way it was kind of going. And they didn't do it. And then it was like, okay, it's starting up again early in this game. Was he looking at Will Little? Was he pointing at him? Was he shouting at him? None of those things. But... And yes, I saw the ejection before I sent that tweet out about thinking it was like Arenado's got to rein it in a little bit. I think Arenado's got to rein it in a little bit. Cardinals need him too much. He's too important to the team to allow himself to to be in that situation. Was it a soft ejection? Of course it was. But I think there is context to it. And I think as an umpiring crew, it was like, okay, enough of this guy. We're not going to do this for four days. It's a four-game series. We're in day two of it. We heard it from him all day yesterday. Enough and I don't think that's right. I don't think the umpires should inject themselves into the game that way, but knowing umpiring the way that you do in modern Major League Baseball in 2023 and that a lot of times they get egos and they get full of themselves and they make it about them, knowing all of those things, I think it is incumbent upon a player at a certain point, especially a star player of Aronado's caliber, to to just not do it, to just not talk. And I don't know what was said, and that's the other part of it. We don't know what was said. What was said may have warranted an ejection. I don't know for sure, Maybe it was talked about post-game. I didn't see it. Uh, so that's, that, that's part of it that plays into it as well. I was not surprised to see Arenado ejected. Do I think it was reasonable of the umpire to do it? No, I'd like to see the umpires not make it about themselves to, to not get their widow feelings hurt and to make sure that uh, you understand that the people that are watching the game are watching for the star players and not for the umpires. Um, I would say the same thing about, like, the, uh, the attendance in stadium, but in Cincinnati we know that nobody goes to the games, and so that's not really a, a full comparison of, like, I paid a ticket to get here. Well, a couple people did, but, you know, they wanted to see Arenado. Anybody that was in that build- building wanted to see Arenado rather than the umpire um, be the umpire. And so another aspect of it is that Will Little could have given Ollie Marmel more of an opportunity to say, hey, rein in your guy if that's what it's going to be here. Uh, but, you know, maybe some of those warnings were kind of issued yesterday or those conversations may have happened. Um, Arenado has been noticeably getting a little bit more agitated recently with things like the strike zone. Uh, had a rough day yesterday and, and talked about it throughout the game, evidently. And so I think today was a little bit of fallout from that. If you're Arenado, you got to just not put yourself in that spot. That's my take. You're not going to convince me otherwise. We had a long back and forth with a lot of different people on Twitter today. Um, I'm not anti-Arenado, you know, one of the Cardinals' best players. I'm a huge fan of his. I think at a certain point, especially with the season, the way it's going for the Cardinals, um, you just got to not have the, you know, he, it's like he tried to get the last word, right? Was he looking at him? Was he staring him down? None of those things. But at a certain point, you can't. You just got to let go of getting the last word, especially following a day like he had yesterday. Uh, let me know what you think about that. I, you're not going to change my mind. I'm not trying to rip him to shreds or anything like that, but I just thought, yep, you'd hate to see a guy like that leave early in a game uh, after, what, a second at bat of the game, and he's, he's one of your best players, so... Uh, and one of your best defenders as well. Cardinals overcame it. Maybe it's for the best because he gets a little bit of a rest that otherwise he wouldn't have had, but uh, that's kind of the way I view that. Let me know what you think in the uh, comment section below. Make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel in order to be able to comment within one minute. You'll be able to do exactly that. We're very close to 25 likes, so let's try and get there real quick. But we'll go ahead and dive back into the comment section now. Hopefully the volume issue is better now, Ryan. Apologies for that, Brent. If they want to have Libby piggyback Matt's, why not flip it and give Libby the start instead? Um, yeah, I mean that would be that would be something that would make sense to me. I just don't think honestly, and I'm I'm gonna look that up because I want to make sure I'm kind of up to date on any of the latest things that have been said since I uh, I've not been just glued to Twitter for the last hour or so. And so, if they've made comments about what's going to happen there with Libertor, I want to make sure that I'm on top of it. Um, checking out John Denton's feed right now. He says, uh, Arnott, home plate umper, Will Little, exchange words. I didn't think it should have been an ejection, but that's what I was more mad about. But we move on. Um, and I don't see anything. If there's a report about Libertor is going to piggyback Matt's or anything like that, let me know who said it because I didn't see John Denton do it. And I know he's out there. So um, I don't know who would have said that. But yeah, I don't think, I don't know that piggyback is necessarily you know the the best thing that they automatic, automatically should do um i think they should let the guys start and and i get that you might be compelled to go all right mats and libertor if they can cover eight innings combined maybe that saves your bullpen for a day but i just feel like i just feel like i'd like to see i'd like to see matthew libertor get to be a starter on this team that's what they acted like they were going to do that's what they said they were going to do i i understand that at a certain point there is a necessity for change. um, But I also feel like you knew all of the factors that were at play before you made those choices. Like you knew that you had a starting rotation of guys that was, weren't, they weren't going deep into games and they still continue not to do that. And so maybe Libertor is not the problem. Some of the other guys in the rotation are the problem by not being consistent enough uh, with the way that they've gone is there anything that the Cardinals are really going to be able to realistically do about that in the interim? I don't think so because like I said, they're all veterans. So I don't really know what the play is going to be for the Cardinals. Um, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. Brendan not using technology effectively a pair unlike any other. I can't figure it out. I can't figure the stupid stuff out. And it bothers me really, it really does. A child is Scambino says Helsley has not been the guy that he was last year, but he can still be an effective closer. I just haven't loved a ton of what I've seen so far. ERA is 3.0. I mean, 3 0 at this point for Ryan Helsley. Uh, the last few days have not been great, but I think that's more the aberration. Like, remember, there have been some games. There's a game where Giovanni Gallegos got absolutely shelled. Remember, he basically cost the Cardinals a game when he came into one late. That doesn't mean that's the pitcher that he is. I think it's a little bit of a stretch right now for uh, Ryan Helsley that's not been as strong, but he found a way out of it tonight. Again, this was a single up the middle and a couple of walks. Last night, I don't hold against him at all because he walked a guy and then gave up a sacrifice fly. And that was all that happened. Walked a guy, gave up a fly ball out. I know there was a wild pitch in there as well, but I just think it's crazy that we are we're jumping on board this narrative. Um, but, childish, you didn't say anything too inflammatory. You just say you don't like the way it's looked recently. And yeah, over the past three outings, it's been a little bit more suspect from Helsley, no doubt. And, like, the Cardinals are going to have to, you know, hope that he's able to kind of find himself back into the dominant form that he was. I I don't have much doubt that he'd be able to do that. Again, he hasn't been terrible. Um, but it's been a little bit rocky. The command has just got to be something that he hones in, I think. Um, but was able to get it done tonight, and I thought he was the right guy to be on the mound there in the ninth. Winning is nice, but a long way from believing we'd win a playoff series. Yeah, Ryan, good point, man. Good point. That like, You don't have the pitching right now consistently to do it. The offense is there. Like, you're going to have to outslug teams in tonight. That's kind of what they did, two home runs from Goldie. Um, how about Tommy Edmond? What we're seeing from him from the right side especially, but he's got an 827 OPS this year, um, and he's batting eighth, ninth in your lineup most of these days. I mean, that is just something really incredible. Um, he's he's doing an excellent job. Had a triple tonight. Um, Love the tweet from Matt Cardinals about uh, triples are safest, triples is best. Um, the uh, the quote from I Think You Should Leave was hilarious. Love to see that from the Cardinals official account. Um, Goldsmith did his thing. Newpar did his thing tonight as well. Like the offense came to play and they come up with 12 hits and they, they knocked around Graham Ashcraft, who's a pretty solid pitcher. I mean, he's, he's, uh, I don't know what his overall numbers are this year, uh, 5.570 RAs. So he struggled a little more than I thought, I guess, but I looked at Ashcraft coming in, like he's got good stuff, can hit triple digits at times. I I believe he's done this year. So, uh, you know, that's not a, not a terrible pitcher that they were able to beat around tonight, which was good to see. Um, Hells threw over 40 pitches in the past two names, uh, past two games. That's not normal. It's not, and he's definitely going to be off for tomorrow, and I would say probably off for the next two days. Um, you won't see him again until Friday at the earliest in Cleveland. That would be my guess. Um, and Childish replies back that that is concerning. We need the guy to be good to stay in this thing. You need Helsley to be good. You need Gallegos to be good. Um, yeah, you need and you need more than two relievers, and I think they've got more than two. Jordan Hicks has stabilized in a lot of ways recently, but most definitely, uh, especially with the way things are going in the rotation, guys, the Cardinals need those bullpen guys to be reliable because uh, you're you're using them more often than you otherwise would. But that is the problem. When you're using them so much, effectiveness is going to begin to wane due to fatigue and, and various reasons, overexposure, whatever the case might be. And so when that is the case, you look back to the rotation and say, you guys have to pick up the mantle so that group can get the rest that they need. It is a tricky situation, a catch-22 to be sure, and uh, I don't know that there's an easy fix for it other than just seeing the rotation do more. They've got to figure out a way to do more. Um, if Otani agreed to extending with the Cardinals, would you send Walker win? No. No, because it's a one, again, you, if, if, if he was going to agree to extend with the Cardinals, Ethan, um, you could just wait till next year to sign him. And I get that that would compromise whatever benefit you would get this summer, and maybe he gets traded, and you miss your spot. No, you're not sending Walker, Wynn, Grisafeo, and more for Otani, uh, because you're gonna have to pay him 50 million a year. Like it's gonna be, it would be just an absolute organization killer if that guy comes over and then he blows out his arm and all he can do is hit. He'd still be a good hitter, but he wouldn't be worth what you were gonna pay him to do it, and uh, you wouldn't have the benefit of him pitching. No, you do not give up mega trade trade assets for Otani. That I think that would be a mistake. I definitely don't see the benefit of that. Well, I mean, I can't say I don't see the benefit. I say it's going to cost you more than you're going to gain from it. Let's put it that way. Cardinals Live says, I think the postgame mentioned the Cardinals are sixth in MLB in balls called uh, called strikeouts by umpires. This whole team has to be getting frustrated. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I think we've seen a lot of them. I think Goldie maybe had one later on in this game tonight as well that was a, a rough called third strike. But at the same time, if you're Arenado, you just kind of have to know your, know your situation. And, again, he didn't do anything over the top. I agree with you guys on that. But I was just kind of thinking, man, they're really talking about it a lot on Monday, the fact that he's still chirping. He's still chirping. At a certain point, it's it, human nature is going to set in for these umpires. It shouldn't, but it, realistically it will. And I think that's kind of what happened, and then they had enough of it from yesterday, and they, they ran him today. It wasn't it wasn't right. I think it was bad umpiring to do it. It was bad umpiring to call the ball that they called on him, because or the strike three that they called on him. But at the same time, Um, that's my take. I think, I think he just needs to do whatever he can to be available. Um, and like, this is how I always felt. And it's a very different thing to be talking about a major league game and like playing intramurals or playing sports in high school or whatever. Like I always have thought, man, if I've got a teammate that's running their mouth to the ref or to the other team, like there's no benefit to that. There's no benefit to it. Yes. I guess you could see, uh, the competitive fire comes out and that can, can give a spark to a team. But, man, you got to make sure you just don't give yourself a technical foul. If it's basketball, no technicals. If it's baseball, you don't get ejected. Like, to me, those are the things that that I want to see in those moments. Just keep your cool. Um, but, granted, he kept his cool. He just kind of said one word too many today, I think. Asher says, Helsley's reliable for one inning and one inning only. Anything above that? Really flirting with a blown game? It's false. I mean, it's just patently false. Um, Asher, it's it's incorrect, my friend. Look at the numbers from the season. The last four days, maybe that's been more the case because he's kind of struggling a little bit. But it's had nothing to do with the second inning. Tonight, he only pitched one inning. Had nothing to do with the second inning that he struggled uh, toward the end of his inning tonight. Uh, yesterday, he he walked a guy and got a fly ball out. That's it. Those are the things that happened in the second inning. I'm just giving you the facts. I know that it was a wild pitch. I know that he had, you know, he went 3-0 and on Tyler Stevenson. I know all these things. He walked a guy and then he gave up a sacrifice fly, which would have been just a fly out. If there's no runner put on second base automatically. So reject the narrative there. And then Saturday was the one example of the season that it's happened where he's gone out for a second inning and, and gave up runs the one time in like five or six or seven times this season. So recency bias for Cardinals fans. If it continues, then maybe it's a conversation Asher. right now. I do not agree with it. I think it's a lazy narrative. I think it's a recency bias driven narrative. Like guys are guys should be allowed to struggle and he struggled one singular time in a second inning. Do not count yesterday. You can if you want. I don't. I think it's I think it's ridiculous to not look at the context of the way that inning unfolded yesterday. Like did he look as sharp? No, I saw that. But he didn't look as sharp later on in tonight's outing, but that it was one inning. So where's your narrative then? I just don't understand it. I understand it. I think it's a, a bad narrative though. Asher wants to be putting a trade package together uh, to whoever wants to make some trades this, easily, this early. Our pitching is fried, even worse than it was uh, imagined in the preseason. And Blake is asking the same question. Realistically, who can we trade for some starting pitching? Realistically, who can you trade for starting pitching is guys that are good, that are helping the offense. Like, you could get something for Edmond, You could get something for Brendan Donovan. You could get, um, you know, I don't know about Burleson or Yepes. honestly, having a ton of value. I don't know if that's because, I mean, those are, those are bench guys for the Cardinals. Other teams could get production out of those players potentially, but do they have trade value? I don't think so. Does, does Tyler O'Neill have a—and not saying they have none, but they don't have, like, get you a starting pitcher that's better and going to supplant the veterans that the Cardinals have in their rotation? Because remember, if you trade for a starter in July, you're taking somebody out. Who are they taking out? And don't tell me Jack Flaherty. It's not going to happen. Don't tell me Adam Wainwright. Maybe by July it could be Adam Wainwright. If he has a a 6.5 URA in July, yeah, Wainwright's not going to continue to pitch. But they're going to give him a hell of a lot more than, you know, five starts or whatever it's been. And he won today, by the way. It was the winning pitcher. So this was not one in the ledger of like, oh, the Cardinals are about to pull Waino from the rotation. Get a grip. It's not happening. Even if you think it should happen, I'm just trying to be the voice of reason to tell you it will not be occurring five days from now like I would be shocked if that were the case right so uh, Miles Michael has been improved you look at his last five games he's been much better Jack Flaherty uh, you know hit and miss but I I just don't see them pulling him from the rotation Jordan Montgomery he started out as your best starter he's really struggled recently but he's not going anywhere right so I just this whole thing about Cardinals fans saying hey what are we going to do trading for starting pitching totally understand why you want starting pitching. I watch the games just as well as you do, but I don't know how functionally it happens. Like, I don't know how that ends up taking place where the Cardinals make this move and they say, hey, oh, Steven Matz, you're out of the rotation. Maybe if he pitches bad for another month, but when he does enough, when he does just enough to where a five scoreless inning outing from Libertor doesn't take Matz out of the rotation or, you know, Flaherty or whomever out of the rotation... They're not replacing anybody. It's why they've got this stupid six-man rotation that isn't one, because Libertor deserves to be getting opportunities to start, but they don't know who to take out of it, and it's it changes every week who you're you know how you'd rank these pitchers. None of them are ranking all that favorably. Starting pitching is a problem for the Cardinals, and you are all right to be saying, "Hey, when are they going to trade for a pitcher? Who's going to be the guy that they can go get?" All these all these questions are super duper valid. At the end of the day, I don't know. That, A, they're going to be willing to pay the price that it would take to get a pitcher. I'm talking about top prospects, whether it's pitching or a Mason win. Um, they're not trading Jordan Walker. I don't think they're trading Mason win, either, to be honest with you. Or, if it's not top pitching prospects, and it probably would still have to be some of those kinds of guys, it would then be, you're looking at the the guys on the active roster that are helping you win games actively. Tommy Edmund helping you win games. Um, Brendan Donovan helping you win games. Like the Cardinals don't want to trade those players. And so it gets, and I'm not even going to bring up Nolan Gorman's name. They're not trading him. That's what makes it a little bit difficult, is that I don't know that the Cardinals are going to be willing to, to meet the, the asking price or beat, heaven forbid, another team that's also after this same starter. Like if it's Shane Bieber or if it's Lucas Giolito, that might be a little more affordable, but he's on a short-term deal. So I don't know that that's, Uh, the the, the tree the Cardinals are going to bark up anyway. He's a free agent after this season. Dylan Cease is a name we talked about. He'd be great. Realistically, I just don't know that the Cardinals are going to be willing to do what it would take. A a shakeup could potentially happen, but if they're continuing to win games and they get toward 500, like Mo is not just going to shake up a roster that if they get back to 500, by even if it's by the deadline, you know, by mid-July, You'd be able to look at that and say, "Well, after the ten and twenty-four start, this team's playing, you know, way above five hundred baseball. So why would we change anything now? Like these, I'm just telling you what I am envisioning the narrative being. Um, yes, they need an ace; they need one bad. I am struggling to see the path at least right now. That could change in a week, could change in two weeks, could change in a month uh, with injuries and different things that happen performance-wise. But right now, it's hard to envision. It really is hard to envision." Because it's not like the other years where you go, oh, they just clearly they've got two pitching pitching injuries and a third guy that's not performing. They need to trade for two arms at the, the deadline that can start right now. They need to get a Jay Happ. They need to get a, you know, a Wade LeBlanc. They need to get a, like, it was very clear in past years. They need to get a Montgomery. They'll trade a Bader to do it. It was clear in past years what the need was. Now it's still a need, but it's not very clear where the holes are in that rotation. And that's what makes it a little bit more complicated. And we know that word complicated is one that John Mozeliak has not uh, favored dealing with in the past, right? I know it sounds ridiculous, but I just, I'm not saying they're not going to do it. I'm just saying, I don't know right now what the answer is as to how they would do it. They need these veterans that they signed up and said that we've got six pitchers and they decided in the preseason and the off season that they uh, were not going to pursue starting pitching. John Mozeliak said, candidly, we weren't very involved in those markets. And maybe that ends up being a strategic mistake. Those are his words, not mine. Right now, it looks like a strategic mistake. But they had, I mean, they're paying everybody in their rotation. That's what's crazy. They're paying all of them. You know, veteran guys that that have contracts, every single one of them is getting multi-million dollars this year, except for Libertor, and he's not really in the rotation. So does he even count? Like, that's what is so tricky about this. So, Blake, I get the question. Asher, I know where you're coming from. Um, When's Libby starting again, asks Aaron. I don't know. It should be this weekend but I have no earthly idea because they might put them in the bullpen tomorrow. I don't know. They're changing their tune on it because they're desperate. They're desperate for bullpen arms. Who could have guessed that, that when you say we're going to go to a six man rotation, we're going to have one fewer reliever available to us. And we're going to have the same rotation that has not been able to get deep into games all year, that there's going to be an innings crisis. Who could have possibly seen that coming? Um, and Asher says, well, they got to send some guys down to bring up some extra arms in the pen. Um, they cannot send Trace Barrera down for an arm. I, I've said that multiple times to people today. They they cannot do it, and I'll explain why here in a sec. The reason they cannot send Trace Barrera down for a an arm is because they're at 13 pitchers, 13 position players, and that is the split that it has to be. They don't get to choose that. That is a major league rule. Um, you cannot have a 14-12 split in favor of pitchers, and so even though I think we all agree that Barrera is kind of superfluous on this roster on most days, uh, they can't. They cannot do that move. Now, you could look in the bullpen and go, well, who can they send down for a fresh bullpen arm? I don't think you could send down Andre Palante. You could, but he's been pretty effective. Uh, you're not going to send down Helsley, Gallegos, Cabrera. Like, you look up and down the seven relievers that are available to them right now, not counting Libertor. None of them are guys that are Memphis shuttle guys, or should be. Uh, they're, they're all guys that are going to stick around. Jordan Hicks, Verhagen, Stratton. Like, that's your whole bullpen. You've got seven guys right now. So you can't do the Memphis shuttle thing either. It is a crisis. They need somebody to go seven innings. That's why I was so, uh, you might even say harsh, in describing that Wainwright uh, didn't give them what they needed today because they needed seven innings out of him. Honest to goodness, they did. That is the crisis that they're in right now, and it doesn't feel like it because they won a game, and they're only six games below five hundred and they're whatever back they are from the first-place team in the division. It's all good. It is a lot better than it was. They're in the midst of a potential innings crisis that could unfold over the next week, uh, exactly a week, right? Um, between now and next Tuesday, their final game before uh, getting a couple of days off. They need starters to go seven. They, they need it, and it needs to be seven effective innings. You can't just say, well, you're throwing 110 pitches today, whether you want to or not, Stephen Matz, because we just don't have the guys behind you to, to help out. We're going to have to just throw the game away if you end up doing so. Like, that's not where the Cardinals can afford to be right now either after the 10-24 and start that they had. They've got to get some things figured out. And fixing all of it would be just simply getting innings from the rotation. I feel like I'm beating a dead horse here, but it becomes true and true and true. Every single day we talk about it, it doesn't change. So that's what they need. Uh, Thank you guys for liking the stream. Let's get it up to 40. Can we hit 40? We're up above 30. Uh, Hopefully we gain some new subscribers. If you're new to the channel, Welcome. Uh, we do this from time to time on nights that I don't do a live podcast. It's pre recorded and shows up on YouTube around midnight, 1 a.m. whenever I happen to finish it. Then it goes on Spotify in audio only format. If you have Apple, or iPhone, you can listen to it on Apple Podcasts. It's called Be shape Daily. Uh, search it on your favorite podcasting apps, and uh, that's how you can listen. But if you want to subscribe to YouTube, that would be a big help to me, and that allows you to join the live chat on our uh, little visits that we have right now uh let's see here finding our footing here from the comments section Uh, um apologies guys i got my place lost a little bit allison says uh, she's a little late but i'm glad i'm here liked retweeted and shared cannot wait to hear the take and allison if you've got any questions let me know for sure um trevor says thought we were going to see a fight tonight when wilson had one go over his dome yeah he, he was a little upset by that one wasn't he um little chippy, Asher says, had the feeling of a brawl, wouldn't be surprised if we see one tomorrow or Thursday. A lot of bad blood between the Cardinals and the Reds. It's not really that team anymore. Historically, yes, as Trevor mentions, um, but the the connection with these current guys, like, I was in a group chat for one of my fantasy leagues, and they're like, I swear to you, I watch a lot of baseball, and I have no idea who half these Reds Reds pitchers are. They feel like made-up names. I said, the whole roster feels like made-up names. Like, the Reds are not the Reds that they once were. And, uh, <clears throat> yeah, there's not a lot of holdovers there from those days. I'm not sure that the guys that are still there, by the time they get competitive, if it's three years, five years from now, whenever it is, I, it could be a completely different roster by then. But, yeah, I don't know that there's enough bad blood uh, with the the Reds right now, with the way they are and the way they're constructed. But you know what? <clears throat> Something that I have said as a brawl could do this Cardinals team good. Corn, what's going on, my man? Happy to see you as well. Uh, I wish my damn voice could get get feeling better right now. Aaron asked what starting pitching trade targets I'd be eyeing. I'm eyeing Shane Bieber and Dylan Cease because those are guys that are controllable beyond the season. They're ace caliber. They're going to probably cost you a lot. But, it, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to play ball with you guys because you want to talk trade stuff, and I get that. Just keep in mind that my official stance is who are they putting – in the rotation, who are they taking out? In order to justify making a trade, the way I think the Cardinals are going to view it is the guy we get has got to be so <clears throat> so far and above what we have to be able to justify. Hey, Matt, you're going to the bullpen, that sort of thing. Like, it's got to be somebody of a cease caliber. Like, you can't like Lance Lynn could maybe have a great turnaround later this season for somebody if he gets traded. I don't think you can justify that because you could easily have Lance Lynn come in and be exactly the other five or six guys that you've got here you got to have somebody that you know is better. Cease and Shane Bieber, that applies to them, in my opinion. So I look at those types of guys. Um, I'd take a Giolito as well. I think he's better than what they've got, but he's also a rental. And I don't know that rentals make a lot of sense for this rotation right now, barring injury, barring some things that could change, and they and they very well may change before the deadline. So those are a couple names that I'll give you. Aaron, since I know that you're wanting to know trade targets and a lot of people want to know that kind of stuff because, yeah, they watch the team every night and they go, this rotation stinks. Like, they're not able to consistently get what the Cardinals need from them. I don't know that they stink, but they're stinking right now. That's the way I would put it. Like, tonight was not one to feel good about for Adam Wainwright. Now, granted, was it that surprising? Not necessarily. I thought he could get through six, but giving up three, four runs, that was kind of what I thought he would do tonight. In that ballpark, he's a pitch-to-contact guy, it's not so easy to just be able to, you know, get out of Great American Ballpark without uh, giving up a little bit of damage. Um, but to give up five and to, to be in that sixth inning and not able to get out of it without risking the game, which is what was happening there when they put Stratton in, that's a disappointment for Wainwright, who wants to be that guy. He wants to be that stopper. He wants to be that, uh, that, that ace of the rotation. He said, don't put me in my grave. Don't act like that's all past tense. I still view myself as that guy. Uh, I think that's well within his right to do. He should view himself that way. He has to eventually perform like that because so far this season he hasn't. And um, that's just, that's not even commentary other than the numbers. The numbers are the numbers at, at this point. And uh, I still think it's early enough that he could certainly turn it around, but 6.33 is his ERA. He's got to be better. But I'm just saying, I didn't think tonight was going to be the night that he was going to suddenly throw a gem, not in that ballpark. It's just too tough to do. Just too tough to do. All right, let's jump back into the comments section here. How about Goldie trying to kill that fan today on the second home run? Uh, no, that was funny. Yeah, kind of got on the shoulder, I think. You got to pay attention. You got to look alive out there by, uh, you know, I- even a little bit of opposite field action. That was in the right center. Uh, Goldie can do that kind of thing, though. Power to all fields. So pay pay attention out there. Don't get yourself hurt. Korn says, not a successful outing by Ueno, but that ballpark is a joke of a park. At least he seemed a little bit more efficient. I would agree with that. I mean, to, to uh, almost get through six on 77 pitches is good. But that's the thing. He pitches the contact, so it's going to happen quick. Like, it's going to happen quick either way. He's not going to walk many. He's going to give up a lot of singles. Um, you hope that he can scatter them a little bit more effectively. Um, gave up five runs tonight. And, again, him doing that not only meant you had to cover an extra inning and a third, which Stratton came up with and did a nice job. He was rested and, and available, so that was fine. But it meant that you had a two-run game, and then still in the ninth inning, it was a three-run game, and you had to throw your closer out there. You had to throw your setup man out there, and both of those guys had just pitched yesterday. So in a perfect world, Bueno goes you know, six and two-thirds or seven with the efficiency that he showed and only gives up like four runs, and uh, that might not seem like a huge difference. A one-run difference and only pitching one to one and a third more may not feel that substantial, but I'm telling you it is because Stratton would have finished the game. I mean, I I think Stratton easily could have done that. If you're in a situation where it's, you know, eight to four or seven to seven to three like it was there for a minute, Stratton could throw two innings and you don't have to use those other guys and suddenly they're available tomorrow if you're in a close game. And now they won't be, and there are consequences to that. Like you're using your B squad tomorrow, without a doubt. Jordan Hicks, they might need a couple innings out of him in the eighth and ninth if they're in a safe situation, because he's probably their best option. Verhagen is gonna need to pitch and be good when he pitches unless you get a deep outing from somebody. And I know that it's not the norm in Major League Baseball these days for guys to go as deep as they used to, but I think the Cardinals are kind of taking it to another level. And I do apologize for the little pauses tonight, guys, but I've got to get off screen when I'm, I'm hacking like this. Um, the allergies are absolutely killing me. Uh, Trevor hates Great American Ballpark. Uh, you could also call it Great American Small Park. That would be accepted as well. Uh, Corn is wondering if they got Otani. Another night, fine. Yeah, we'll talk about our, another night there for uh, for Otani. Um, Aaron wanted the Aronado tangent. I gave it, and so hopefully that was good. I'll get to the bottom. If you've got more Aronado comments, uh, let it ride. Here's the other thing, guys. A lot of these comments, it's like, oh, my gosh, sorting through these comments. A lot of you have mentioned to me to do super chat on the YouTube live streams where it, like, highlights your chat. People can, uh, c- can donate a special chat or whatever and get their comments highlighted. That will be coming, but I've got to get to 1,000 subscribers first. So if you've got Cardinals fans that you're friends with and you think they might enjoy the channel, hit them up because uh, I'm I'm on that hunt for 1,000. And then we can have a lot more fun on the stream with some different things we can do. They won't let me join the Creator Program until I get there, and so that's part of the deal uh, for us right now on, on the channel. Um, Otani won't come here. Yeah, I agree. Seems very unlikely that they'd pay him. Otani would like to play with Lars Nupar. I bet that'd be a lot of fun for him the Cardinals are not going to pay the contract that Otani would get. It's just not their type of risk that they tend to take. Uh, Eric says, didn't they shut down O'Neill again? That's what I saw from yesterday. And no timeline. Like, I would expect to see Carlson back before O'Neill personally. But then any day from now, we could see O'Neal's back in a rehab, and it's like, oh, didn't know that was going on. Um, I guess he's back. And they're on the road, and so I don't see everything compared to if they were at home and I was getting to go to these games and, and – be a part of these conversations. Um I miss some stuff. But yeah, I think I think O'Neal is a guy that's kind of in the on the back burner in the minds of the Cardinals until he's ready to come back out. Don't know what it is. I'm I'm not questioning the severity that he's got an injury that he's dealing with, but at a certain point if you're the Cardinals, you got to just be real with it and say, man, we've devoted a lot of opportunity to this guy and he's not available to us. So we have to sort of let that go. Um, mentally you got to let that go. That's where they're at right now. And I don't blame him. I hope he comes back and it ends up being great, but, you know, right now it's just kind of hard to see the path, at least in the, the interim with the shutdowns and the setbacks that he's having. Um, Austin says that Helsley was historically unreal last season. Expecting that again would be crazy. I agree with that. Like, an ERA of three, maybe a little bit of an elevated whip because he's walking some more guys. It's not perfect, but it's. I don't think it's anything to bemoan. I agree with that. The Grave of Einstein says, Alex Cora smiles upon the Helsley in the ninth decision. Glad it worked though, and we saved Libby. Yeah, that was the uh, the, the move that uh, the Red Sox really used two days in a row with Kenley Jansen and Nolan Gorman made them pay both times. Uh, fortunately for the Cardinals and their fans today, that was not the case. Helsley ends up getting the job done. Uh, Ryan, appreciate you helping me out with the audio thing. It wasn't something I realized my my board can be a little touchy, a little touchy. No doubt about that. Corn says my mom saw your you share about that tweet, and my dad goes, "Who posted that?" And she goes, some idiot on Twitter. <laughs> I went to defend your honor. You're not just some idiot on Twitter to me. Well, Corn, I appreciate you, brother. Uh, honestly, and that's from I Think You Should Leave, the show on Netflix, that I think is having a third season come out really soon, if it didn't already, uh, with Tim Robinson. And I'm telling you, there was a tweet tonight from the Cardinals official account that referenced that show. And uh, it's just very good absurdist sketch comedy, if you haven't ever seen it. Um, I absolutely crack up when I watch it. And so, you sure about that? I just, I had to use the GIF, and I'll probably use it a lot more moving forward. Um, CJ says, need to split the series at least. Man, I would say you need to go win the series. This is a bad Reds team, and you need to treat them like they're a bad Reds team. Now that you now that you evened it up one apiece, go out there and get it get an outing from somebody. Like, they're going to score six or eight runs every game. The Cardinals are not going to leave one of these games with, like, a three spot at the end of a game. I just don't think that's going to happen. So, get the pitching going, and they'll be all right. And Arenado said the silver lining for Nato's ejection, he got two-thirds of a day off, so that's good. Maybe it works out. Maybe he comes back a little fresher tomorrow and maybe a little less argumentative. Who knows? Uh, John says, would you give up Donovan Burleson, Mattson, Win for a Shohei rental? If not, what would you give up for that? I would not give up what it would take to get Shohei on a rental. Um, because if this team was, like, leading the division by 10 games and they had an injury to the rotation, maybe then you say, all right, this is the guy that can get us over the top. We're going to win a World Series. Otherwise, if I know it's a rental going in, no, you're not giving up Mason Wynn or Brennan Donovan. And Burleson. yeah, that's fine. Matts, they don't want Steven Matts in his contract. Maybe if you're paying the contract, the Angels would say, sure, we'll throw him out there every fifth day if you're paying his contract. But I just don't think there's trade value in that. So, um, but no, I don't, you cannot trade Mason Wynn for a, a rental, no matter who it is, even if it's the best player in baseball, which Shohei, uh, I, I do believe he is the most valuable anyway. So, yeah, that's just not one that I think uh, realistically the Cardinals uh, should do, would do, could do, any of the above. Um, do, 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 do. Eric says, wondering why Contreras or whoever is calling for Helsing to throw so many sliders. Dude throws 102. Give him the heat. I think sometimes what happens, Eric, is that when guys are not commanding the fastball, the, the, the catcher gets a sense of that, and he's like, well, if we think he's going to be able to locate the slider a little better, uh, then maybe that's the play. But tonight, that didn't seem to be the case. Like, the sliders were getting kind of spiked as well from Helsley. But again, 103 is what was spiked yesterday with, with Barrera back there. So the command is a little bit rough right now for, for Helsley. I'm not going to deny it. But I don't think it's some indictment of him as a pitcher or a long-term thing that like, oh, now he's this guy who can't go back-to-back or he can't throw a second inning. Like, I think those takes are a little premature. But yeah, his command has been a little bit lacking recently. Um, but we've seen that from other guys. We saw it from Gio for a time. We saw it from Hicks for a good long while. And then uh, we, we see him kind of bounce back. And that's what that's what the Cardinals need from Helsley is a couple of days off and then, then to find that bounce back. Uh, but I get you, Eric. I think it can be just a comfort thing sometimes for pitchers uh, when the command is going rough the way that it has uh, recently for Hels. Looking back into the comments, Alex says, "I don't understand how a six-man rotation helps the bullpen if we're down an arm in the pen and starters still only go about five innings." That's a you, you hit the nail on the head right there, Alex. It doesn't. It doesn't help the team to have it, but the Cardinals are the team that made the decision to have it. They we didn't. You know, it's not like Twitter said, "Hey, you." And I mean, people did ask for a six-man rotation, and I said, "Eh, I don't really think it makes sense or is something the Cardinals will historically do." Um, but then when they did it, it was like, okay, because they've got the stretch coming up, that's fine. But it only works if you don't have guys going four innings, four and two-thirds innings every other day. Like, that's where you get into trouble because, like you said, Alex, you've got one fewer reliever. With the rules in Major League Baseball now, 13 pitchers, 13 position players, it's got to be even. And so the fact that it, you're, you're hamstrung if you don't use Libertor in the bullpen, but you're also damned if you do because it's a dumb decision. He shouldn't be getting jostled back and forth between starting and relieving. He should be a starting pitcher. That's the Cardinals that have put themselves in that situation, though. Like I agree, it's a little weird, and I'm not a fan of it. But it's almost like what you've got to do if you don't if you don't if you're unwilling as the St. Louis Cardinals to make a decision and say, hey, Steven Matz, you've had some better games, but we got to try something different. You're in the bullpen, then this is what you're gonna end up with. It's just a reality. And I'm not saying it would be the right move to take Matz out. He's had some better games. You know, But if the Cardinals don't have the cojones to, to look at one of those starters who's the veteran and say, right now we're going to try something different and and deal with whatever those consequences are, then this is the dance that they have to play when it comes to getting Libertor opportunities. But I think long-term it could be more damaging to him than we realize, and that's the thing you want to look out for because the Cardinals have used up their good grace when it comes to not getting the most out of their pitching prospects in recent years. The development of pitching with this organization has been lacking over the past few seasons, the days of Carlos Martinez starting as a reliever and going into the rotation and shining and and Dakota Hudson even doing the same in his first year as a starter, like, that hasn't worked for the Cardinals in a long while. Jordan Hicks they tried it with, didn't work. He didn't end up sticking as a starter. Like, the days of Adam Wainwright closing out a World Series and then becoming a starter and, you know, on a potentially Hall of Fame track, if not at least a team Hall of Fame track, they haven't done that in a while, and so we can't pretend like this is just the way, the Cardinal way with that has worked. It has not. Uh, Cardinals Live says the Brewers signed Julio Tehran to throw a band on their rotation, on their pitching woes. Uh, while the Cardinals pitching is not ideal, luckily it's not our strength. Uh, the teams that the Cardinals are chasing are literally losing their legs. Guys, I, it's, it's the Cardinals and the Brewers in this division. I have completely dismissed the Pirates in my opinion. Um, I'm not looking at the Reds. The Cubs could surprise people at some point in time, but I'm not projecting it. In the Brewers, their pitching is just so far gone, and that was their strength, like Cardinals Live mentions. That's the strength of the Milwaukee Brewers. It's not their offense, for goodness sake. Look at their lineup. They've got a few good hitters, and then they've got guys that are just trying to, trying to scrap it together. The Cardinals have a guy batting eighth tonight who's got an 827 OPS, and suddenly he's starting to hit more right-handed because he might just be right-handed, um, but he's doing it against right-handed pitching, and he's having success with it um it's not that he does it all the time but he may start to that dude's got an 827 OPS and he's batting eighth or ninth most of the time the cardinal strength is their offense if their pitching could just be good enough they're going to win this division going away even though they're down by a number of games right now that's still the way that I view it <clears throat> uh go ahead and like the stream guys if you haven't done so already we would love to get up to 40 tonight before we get out of here um, but we'll give it another 10, 15, 20 minutes or so if we've got comments still rolling through. Um, but I'm going to kind of start to scroll and see if anything pops out to me. Uh, did I think that Mats was a good signing at the time? It's a great question by Jesse. We need to cook. Here's what I thought about the Matt's signing. If you take it back in time, this is great context. Take it back in time. Remember what was going on in baseball at the time. That was like a, a week or so before the, uh, the lockout, the MLB lockout, where for an entire offseason, Cardinals couldn't contact their players. They couldn't work on a game plan. That's why Jack Flaherty comes up to spring training. And it's like, oh, I've got this shoulder issue now, and we spent all offseason not able to, to communicate and resolve it because it would have been illegal to do so. Like, that was what was going on in the world. And the Cardinals knew going into that offseason that they needed to sign a pitcher to fill, like, a middle-of-the-rotation type of hole, uh, and they decided that Mats was the guy they could get, and they didn't want to have to wait for the uncertainty of when the lockout would end. And so I praised the Cardinals for getting their guy ahead of the deadline. I praised that it wasn't a massive contract. $11 million a year for four, uh, four years is not crazy. But I wasn't sure about the quality of the pitcher. I thought, yeah, he's had some good years and like, it's not an overpay. So ultimately, I was okay with it. But at the same time, I didn't think he would be this rough. I didn't think that he would have a, you know, five and a half ERA or whatever last year and then missed most of the season injured. That was a little bit of bad luck. I mean, that's just, he had an injury that was not even related to pitching. He was bounding off the mound to uh, to, to get a comebacker and, and hurt himself that way. So that was unfortunate. But yeah, I mean, to answer the question, Jesse, we need to cook. I thought Mats was a okay signing because I could see the plan of what the Cardinals wanted to do there. They wanted to have it accounted for and not take the risk of what the lockout could bring. Is that unfortunate for the Cardinals? It is, because I don't think John Moselak operates as well under pressure. He operates when it's the offseason and the other teams under pressure. The Rockies are under the pressure to get rid of this Arenado contract because the world knows they don't want it, and the Cardinals are happy to do it for them. Uh, you know, it, those are the ways that John Moselak can take advantage of a market. He, he and the Cardinals have not operated well under stress of uncertainty, where one day this lockout's going to end, and it's going to be a free-for-all, and the Cardinals just wanted to be secured before that. And so did they rush into it with Mats because of that? Yeah, maybe, but I thought it was fine, and I still think it could end up being okay, but it's not going to go down as a great signing. I, I just think he hasn't pitched well enough, and, and I just don't know that he's going to, to for us to look back at it and go, oh, that was great. It was it was the kind of signing you make if you're risk-averse uh, to having you know a complete hole there. But oftentimes, those kinds of deals, those mid-deals, we say, ah, we'll pay a little bit for an Andrew Miller, and we'll we'll send some money for a Brett Cecil. We'll spend some money, but we don't want to overspend for the best guy in the market at the time. I think that's kind of what it is with Stephen Matz and Mike Leake and Dexter Fowler, and like you could go on and on and on. This is the the Mike the, the, the Stephen Matz deal is exactly the kind of deal the Cardinals have signed over the course of time, and you had the lockout looming as another factor that made me go, ah, whatever I think of it doesn't matter. This was the deal the Cardinals were always going to do, so here it is. That's kind of how I felt about it, to be honest with you. But that's a good question. I appreciate that question when it comes to uh, the Mats deal because I didn't hate it. I didn't hate the signing at all. I thought, yeah, it's always good to have another lefty in the rotation. I thought he'd be much better, though. I didn't think they overpaid. I just thought it was one that was like, yeah, they did this deal because they knew they could get him and they could they could not worry about it come December 1st and January 1st and February 1st when that lockout was going on. One more like to 40. We can do it, folks. We can do it. Aaron says, which of the current starters would be the best reliever in terms of stuff, adaptability to the role, et cetera? I think Steven Matz, honestly, could be a, a solid lefty reliever because he did it at the end of last season. And right now, you've really got Hennessy Cabrera in that role, and you've got Andre Palante as a righty, basically filling a lefty relief role now that Zach Thompson is in the rotation for Memphis, which I didn't mind. I think long-term, give your first-round pick a chance to be a starter. That's the... The valuable role, you know, a lot of times relievers end up coming after they've tried it out as a starter and the path ends up needing to change for whatever reason. I didn't mind the Zach Thompson move. I understand it. Um, But I I think there could be a fit there where you say, Steven Matz could just be a lefty reliever and a little bit of an expensive one, but he throws like 94, gets it up to 95 in a shorter stint. He could be a guy that goes 96, 97 or more. I think that's possible. So my answer is unequivocally Steven Matz, and he's the one that feels like the most likely – and yet if he has a couple outings where he's close to a quality start, he's going five and two thirds and two runs and three runs, like the Cardinals beggars can't be choosers. Those are gonna be the kinds of outings the Cardinals would take from guys. And so that's what makes it a little bit tricky to just say, Oh, it's Steven Matz, That's the guy you sent. I don't know if that's gonna be the guy. We'll have to see. CJ wants to call the Red Sox O'Neill and a prospect or two for Chris Sale. I don't I don't agree with it. Um Remember what I said earlier in the stream and I'm going to look up Chris Sale's number to make sure uh, numbers I should say to make sure I'm not totally speaking out of turn here. But I said if you're going to make a trade for a starter, you need to be damn sure that the guy you're getting is better than what you've got. Chris Sale's got a 501 ERA. Big contract attached. No thanks. Like if they have injuries, then maybe. But you can't tell me that bringing Chris Sale into this rotation is just going to automatically make it better when he's got an ERA of 5 this year. You need to bring in guys that you know are going to deal. Otherwise, can you justify moving Matts to the bullpen, or can you justify moving whoever else you're going to move to the bullpen? I don't think you really can. Now, you're thinking the right way, though, about trading O'Neill for some pitching. I think that is a move that they could, and probably, I, I hate to advocate, yes, trade this guy, because I'm not in those rooms to know what a value of a player is at this point in time. But with the way the roster is shaping up, could I see that making sense if he gets back to health and establishes some value before the uh, trade deadline? could absolutely see O'Neill for a reliever in particular. If you can get a just a really good, solid reliever, I think that ends up making some sense for a bullpen that, you know, it's going to have injuries. In the second half of the season, it's just going to have them. There's, it's, it's unavoidable to me at this point. So, yeah, that's kind of the way I look at it. Uh, the Cardinals are only team in MLB that would play their two utility infielders over just recalling their number one prospect. That's from Cardinals Live. Um, I mean, sure. That looks bad, but here's the thing: Tommy Edmond needs to play in the lineup every single day. Needs to be in there every single day, bar none. Not a discussion, not a conversation. And so, if right now, you know, sometimes you got Contreras at DH, which he was signed to do. Although he's got to hit, guys. I'm 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 gonna call Contreras out a little bit and say, where's that? Where's the offense coming from, Wilson, right now? Because he's really struggling. A two hundred thirty two average, a six ninety nine OPS. He, if he's gonna get DH at bats, he's got to start hitting. Um, you know, that's a little bit of a of an underscored situation from the last week or so that he's really fallen off offensively uh, since that two home run game the other day. It's just not really been there for Wilson. But in the larger context, Edmond's got to play every day. 827 OPS has been one of the best hitters on the team. Yeah, he's got to continue to be in there. And so if you're going to play Gorman at second base, sometimes that means Edmond's going to have to shift to the outfield because Paul DeYoung is going to still continue to get opportunities. Um, he went one for three with two runs scored today. So he's still continuing to do it. And his OPS is nearly a thousand. So for Paul DeYoung, like, you're not taking him out of the shortstop spot. And I think the reason, and I've, I've griped on this before, but I think the reason that it was it's always been DeYoung at shortstop and Edmund moving around is because they know Edmund can do it. They maybe foresaw this possibility that they could have to use him in the outfield. It has ultimately come to fruition that they're doing that now on a pretty regular basis. And so that's why DeYoung was kind of bestowed the shortstop. They might also just think De Young's a better defensive shortstop, but that's not really the way they talked about it in the offseason. Edmonds are shortstop. De Young's going to have to move around. That's what they actually said. It's not what ended up happening. I digress. I, I but my point with that is if De Young's your shortstop, yeah, Edmonds gonna have to move around with with Gorman and Donovan both as factors. And so yes, it's kind of a weird thing that both are infielders and they're playing a lot of outfield recently. But Donovan goes two for three with two runs scored in a walk today. Like, he should be in your lineup, too, on most days, especially against right-handed pitching. So that's just the reality of where things are right now. I get it. Like, Walker should be on this team and starting. But that's the roster John like built. He's got to find a trade that makes sense. Um, but the problem is, like, the guys you would have probably should have traded in the offseason, like Tyler O'Neill, they're not even as a part of this mix right now. And they couldn't get the value for those kinds of guys. They couldn't get the value for the ones that, they they weren't earmarking for everyday spots. Tommy Edmund was earmarked for an everyday spot. Um, think about, I mean, yeah, like Yepez, Burleson, those guys could have potentially been moved, um, even if they like them as players. They're not earmarked for everyday spots. And so not being able to turn that conglomeration of players into a pitcher or two, uh, and then throwing in guys like Dakota Hudson and, and finding ways to to clear up 40-man spots that way, that's been an issue for the Cardinals going back into the offseason and now the result of it is they've got some gluts and some log jams that they're dealing with, and you know they probably will continue to have those things. So we'll have to wait and see what happens in terms of uh, the way they want that to want that to play out. Jordan Walker will be back. I'm going to say not till about June, though. That's what I'm looking at. Sometime in June um aaron says i've heard of some indie leagues having a hybrid dh rule if the pitcher goes five or six innings you get to keep the dh all game if they get pulled earlier the dh comes out too it incentivizes deeper starts do i like the idea um yeah they've talked about using that i think the indie leagues the atlantic league has kind of been the guinea pig league for major league baseball i think they're using something like that this year um it's a little bit off the wall but i would be okay with it it would add to some strategy to late game stuff if you don't have a dh which could make Uh, some interesting decisions and stuff. Like we don't miss the double switch and stuff as much as we said we would now that there's a DH everywhere in baseball. But at the same time, I honestly end up kind of thinking that uh, it would be cool to have some of that back and to incentivize these deeper starts. But for the Cardinals, it would be a disaster because they're not pulling guys after four and two thirds because they, for their health and they enjoy it. They're doing it because they don't have pitchers that are successfully getting deep into the games and having efficiency and, and effectiveness. That's the problem for the Cardinals, um, but Aaron, yeah, I don't mind the the rule change if they would ever do that in MLB. Probably not. There's a players' association issue there at hand, um, but it's interesting. I'll give it that. Oh man, absolutely getting killed here by allergies. Uh, Korn says, uh, "I think you should leave." Is the best show of all time. It is really hilarious. It's not everybody's type of comedy. My favorite one is in the car where the guy goes, "Don't you know how to f and drive?" And he goes. No, I don't know how to F and drive. I don't know what any of this stuff does, and I'm scared. Like, it is just absurdist kind of comedy that absolutely hits home for me. Um, so if you have not seen I, I think you should leave on Netflix. Give it a try. Um, you may think, what the hell is this? Or you may think, this is the funniest stuff I've ever seen. Um, but it's worth trying if you haven't seen it. Uh, CJ says, Cardinals need to try and get Chris Sale without giving up Graceffo. Again, I just don't know why Chris Sale would be a target. He's not... Like, if he starts just lighting it up and does it for a month and you go, okay, I think Chris Sale is back, then maybe you think about it. But right now, you're just replacing him, putting him in there and taking out a guy who is liable to do the exact same thing. If you're going to make a trade for a pitcher, it's got to be somebody that you know when you're sending Mats to the bullpen, he goes, okay, I get it. (laughs) I get it. I see who you just picked up. That's fine. Like, you have to have that kind of guy coming in. And I don't know if Chris Sale is that guy at this point. He could prove that he is again, but right now, eh, I don't know. Um, good to see him moving Gorman toward being every day. Uh, the evaluation of his second-base defense this year. Aaron, I think he's been great. I think he's been great, and he made the best defensive play by a Cardinal this year, bar none. Like, he currently holds the web gem of the year by a St. Louis Cardinal on that play he made oh, a week, week or so ago. Uh, got on the, the, the third-base side of second, when Libertor made his start, was the game that had happened, and it was for out number three in an inning, he crossed over and, and did a jump throw across his body to get the out at first base. To me, that was the best play I've seen from a Cardinals defender all year, and that came from Nolan Gorman. So, uh, yeah, I think he's turned himself into a plus defender, honestly. Um, he'll make some errors now and again. Who, who isn't going to do so? Um, I have nothing negative to say about Gorman's defense. Honestly, I think he's very solid. Is Shane Bieber still good? I think so. I think he's certainly better uh, better and more of a sure thing than Chris Sale. So, yeah, I'm still in on, on Shane Bieber for now, but I rank him below Dylan Cease for whatever that's worth. Um, if you're not going to start Libby, piggyback him, yeah, I would say let, let the starter plus Libertor cover the entire game tomorrow except for maybe the ninth. That would maybe be the way that you could go about it to save the bullpen, um, but I just don't think it's really fair to him. But, hey, it would it would still be bulk innings that he would get, so whatever. Spencer says I hate to say it, but I have a really bad feeling Matt's is going to get shelled tomorrow. Uh if he does, Libby will be coming in for about four or five innings tomorrow if that happens. If you're down like seven to two, you're gonna you are to you 1st of all, you gotta get Matt's innings. You gotta try to get him deep. But if he has a bad game, yeah, it may be Libby that comes in, which I don't know if he, you know, that's a, a very fair spot to put him into, but that's just maybe the reality that it could be. Allison wants a prediction about the next time through the rotation improvement injuries. Will Wilson catch them all? Uh, yeah, I like that last question. Wilson is still not caught Jordan Montgomery. I don't know what to make of that. I don't know if that's a thing. Um, I would say the last two times, if I'm not mistaken, that it's happened since Wilson has come back to being an official catcher again, the Cardinals have been facing a lefty starter on the other team, which has been a reason that they get Andrew Kizers bat into the lineup. And so it may just be that simple. But I'm paying attention. Like I think, uh, if you want to convince me that there's not something there, Wilson needs to catch Montgomery the next time. I don't care if it's a lefty that's pitching and, and you want to get Kiz's bat in there, DH the him if that's what you want to do. Um, but I like so far. I don't even know if it's been asked about. It, not when I've been there because it's been sporadic. My available my availability uh, for pre games recently because of my radio show and then they've been on the road. But I am, that's definitely one that I kind of wonder about is like, all right, if he doesn't catch him the next time, that's got to be, that's got to be something we look at a little bit, right? So we'll see. But my prediction, I don't know about improvement. Like maybe when they get to uh, to Cleveland, but it's going to be hard to imagine improvement from the rotation the next two days because they're playing in a, a fake ballpark. Um, you know, it's good for the offense. I think it's why the Cardinals can win the next two games, but it, the ballpark is not conducive to suddenly shoving as a starting pitcher. It isn't. <laughs> Mats was shine the year. The Cardinals should have signed Scherzer. The Cardinals should have should have signed Max Scherzer like four different times. So I hear you there, Aaron. But uh, yeah, does Mats have enough secondary to do well in relief? I think it's the opposite. You don't have to have secondary to do well in relief. You have to have secondary to be able to stick as a starter. That's the way the Cardinals have always treated this. Uh, Ollie has said it multiple times. Like if you've got the stuff to be a starter, you can be a reliever. It's it's the other way around. That sometimes does a reliever have enough secondary to be a starter. Um, Matz wouldn't need more. He wouldn't need to use his entire arsenal in relief if you're only going one, one and two-thirds, you know, whatever. Um, so, yeah, Matt's could be a reliever. Like, it's, it doesn't go the opposite way. Does he have enough to be a starter is the question. Um, and with the curveball being so-so for him recently and he hasn't had confidence in it, maybe that's a factor. Uh, but, yeah, he's got enough to do well in relief. I think he could be a fine reliever. Overpaid oh, for that for the job description, but that's. don't worry about the salary right now. Worry about what helps you win games. Hashtag everyday Edmund. I mean, that should be that should go without saying. That should go without saying. But I appreciate the new hashtag, uh, Trevor. My buddy Andy that I do the big show with did not like hashtag every match Mercado that I that I tried to get going. Said it was too wordy, um, too many syllables. I just don't think that's fair. I like it with the with the alliteration that we had. So that's what I did. Uh, Trevor says you'd be paying for the name value of sale at this point. And I don't agree with that. You'd get a discount because he's got like a twenty million dollar contract per year and and. He's not worth that, and so they would be loving to get rid of him, I think, in that situation, unless they're really contending, which in that division I don't think the Red Sox will be. So I don't think you're paying the name value of sale necessarily. Like, if he if he is made available, you can get him for cheap. Anybody could. But if he's not made available, then that's a different story. <clears throat> Aaron wonders, in a scenario where the Cardinals trade for pitching, how Wayno would pro- profile in a relief role Um Pitching backwards, 60-plus percent curveballs. Yeah, he might profile fine there, and uh, that may be something the Cardinals need to look at eventually, Aaron. I don't think it's going to be yet. We're not looking at that just yet. Um, You know, he's got to get that 200 wins. Like, you may say, oh, that doesn't matter as much as winning a World Series would and get to the playoffs, and you're right, but he won today. He did pitch into the sixth, couldn't get out of the sixth. I still think Wainwright's got it in him to to bring this back, and— This is just going to be the wrong podcast for a little bit if you're ready for me to bury Wainwright and call him to go to the bullpen. I'm not going to do it after five starts or whatever it's been. Um, Others are willing to do it, and maybe they're right, and I'm the one that's going to prove to be wrong. But I'm going to give him more time. I think he's earned that. Um, Especially it helps when they win his start like today. I know the pitcher win is kind of silly because I'd rather have some of those Monty starts where he went six and gave up one run and lost than what they got today from Wainwright in, in a win. But that's the reality is that it buys you a little more time when you win. Scott says, is it realistic to think that if Mats moves to the bullpen, he could be a quasi-starter to come if there is an emergency and a starter cannot make it past the second or third? Yeah, I think he'd still be a little bit stretched out compared to other guys, Scott. I think that's, like I said, I don't know if they're going to do that with Mats, but if that came to to, to pass, yeah, he could be sort of a, a guy that could stretch out a little bit too. Uh, Zach says, love your show. Nice to have some late night uh, and he lives in Indianapolis. Cardinals discussion. Zach, appreciate you, man. Make sure you're subscribed. And thank you for commenting. Appreciate you being here. I guess you are subscribed because if you commented, you you have to be. Uh, Ethan wants to sell high on DeYoung. I don't think they can afford to do that. Um, there's no market for Paul DeYoung right now in a trade. Like, I, First of all, it's May. Second of all, he's starting every day for the Cardinals, a team that's trying to win enough games to get back into the playoff hunt. So... Uh, I get it. People think the the other shoe is going to drop. The bottom is going to fall out on Paulie D. I understand. I think the changes he's made are a reason to believe that that won't happen, though. Right? He has quieted the front leg. They showed a really good graphic, or not a graphic, but a replay, a slow-mo on the broadcast the other night, where you just could see the difference. And the front the front foot does not just get this big knee kick into the air. It's very much under control. And, like, I think he's a little more settled at the plate and able to have more success because of something like that. So, um, I get it, but I think uh, I, I think it's you're looking at it the wrong way. Look at it as let's see Paul DeYoung continue to do what he's doing so that, you know, you, you can add another legit bat in the bottom of the lineup because a lot of teams don't have a Paul DeYoung and an Edmund hitting seven eight in their lineup on a on a given day. Like teams don't have that, and the Cardinals do. It's what sets them apart. They just need to get the pitching to to take advantage of it daily. Ethan says they weren't afraid to take bold stances on Contreras with eighty seven and a half million moving Matts to the bullpen would be too bold with 44 mil. I think they should make the move to free up Libby and prospects. I get it. But then what happens, is, like, keep this in mind about Libby. The prospects, first of all, aren't ready to join the rotation yet. Libby is the one that is. His best start, his only start, was five innings and did not record an out in the six. What happens if he just ends up doing more of the same? Four and two-thirds gives up two runs. Five and a third gives up one run. Like, that'd be fine. I think I have higher aspirations than that for him. But there is a world in which that happens. But my thing is you need to let Libby fail before you can say that, oh, he's not suitable to this role compared to somebody else. Like, you got to give him the opportunity to mess it up and not do it because he came into a bullpen role and messed it up that way. Like, that's not fair to the guy. Um, Let him start. I agree, and that's why I thought the six-man rotation would make sense, but they found a way to kind of muck that up too. And so who knows? But, Ethan, the thing with Contreras is I think they were desperate and they needed a move. And uh, to their credit, like, it's it's paid dividends in the way that he has um, had the catcher ERA go down since he's come back. They handled it so poorly, and the optics could not have been worse. But um, th- that move worked out. Now, basically, Ethan, though, would say, well, why can't it work out with moving Matt to the bullpen as well? And I can understand your thought process there. Um, but the other part of this is Stephen Matz has not pitched uh, quite so poorly recently compared to where he had been. I mean, you look at his last start. Um, it was, it was not great in that he didn't get through five innings, but didn't give up any earned runs. Um, you know, it's been since the 2nd of May, since he's given up more than three earned runs in a game, his ERA, uh, has, has dropped down over the past few starts. So he's going to continue to get more opportunities if he keeps pitching a little bit better, but he and everybody else has got to go deeper into his outings. That is really the issue right now for this team. Take a quick drink and then we're going to try to wrap things up here in just a few minutes. But if you've got any more uh, good comments, get them in now because uh, I want to try to get to all of them. And uh, it would help, too, if I can get my uh, computer to cooperate. Everybody's going to chip in and buy me a real computer. (laughs) Like, this thing sucks, dude. Uh, Random comment, but the AL Central is so bad. Yes, it is. Jesse, they need to cook. (laughs) The AL Central has been getting cooked. No doubt about that. Uh, Paul says Paul De Young is a Cardinal. Period. Get over it. And I agree with him. I, he may not be next year. I'd be surprised if he was next year. But then again, if he OPS is nine eighty seven like he is right now, they'll sign him to that damn uh, option. But I, I mean, to sustain this for a full season, he would not only be an All Star, but he would be a Silver Slugger and a, and a potential MVP candidate. If a, at a, a nine eighty seven OPS, hit, you know, hitting on the pace of thirty home runs or whatever it is that he that he would be on. I'm not saying he's going to do that. I'm actually saying he's not going to do that, but he could very well still OPS 810, 820, 850. That's definitely within the the realm of possibility for De Young, and he's a Cardinal. That's exactly right. He's a Cardinal this year. Um, Trevor, I don't think they're going to extend him, but let's let's calm down on that. But it's been really cool to watch him cook. He has cooked, and uh, the Cardinals have benefited from it, no doubt. Trey's still on this team is mind-boggling. He serves almost no purpose at this point. Yeah, his purpose is when Wilson DHs, which again, the bat has not dictated that he really should that much right now. When he DHs, Kisner catches, and you might need to pinch hit for Kisner toward the end after a lefty starter gets uh, gets turned over into a right-handed reliever. And then Barrera can catch a couple innings. That's the only point, and I agree. It's not a good usage of a roster spot at all. Joshua asks, is acquiring a pitcher, uh, starting pitcher even a possibility this year without an injury. Your point about five veterans and none of them really being clear removable candidates makes it hard to believe they pursue an upgrade. That's exactly right, Joshua. That's what I'm saying. I think it's hard to imagine that they would do it unless the upgrade was so far and above the guys that they had that you could justify it and say, hey, listen, Mats, you've been great, man. Um, you know, maybe not great, but your ERA is 4.97 and you've really, you know, you've battled, but we were able to get Dylan Cease in a trade. So you're going to the bullpen. We, we got Shane Beeper, you know, his ERA is 2.9. We got You're going to the bullpen. That would be the scenario, Joshua, that it would happen. Um, and that would be costly, and it would clear up some roster glut because you're going to lose multiple major league players, I think, if not just high-end prospects for that kind of talent. So, no, I don't think a Chris Sale or a Lance Lynn or, like, unless there are injuries, I just don't understand why people are clamoring for some of these starters that, yeah, you may be able to acquire them cheaply, but you're looking at guys that realistically are they better than what you've got at like a you know 95% confidence interval we'll go back to statistics class like you got to be damn sure because otherwise you're just moving around the deck chairs on the titanic of a rotation that has not given you what you need and now you're giving up assets to make sure it still is going to give you not what you need so that's what's tough um so Joshua you laid it out pretty well in, in describing the way I view it without an injury I don't see them trading for a starting pitcher unless it gets so bad with one of them that you go, all right, clearly this guy's bullpen or DFA material. But I, given that they're all veterans with contracts, I, unless they do something very non-Mosellockian, is that Mosellockian? What they could do, Joshua and Cardinals fans listening, do I do I predict this? No. But could they just wheel and deal at the deadline? They trade a Montgomery or a Flaherty or both and then bring in guys? They could, right? They, they could it wouldn't even really be buying and selling at the same time. But let's imagine a world where both Jack Flaherty and Monty had some level of trade value and a contender loses a starter and they go, hey, we'll trade you this pitcher for, you know, a prospect or two, get get guys that aren't on the 40-man roster, clear up a spot there. But we also know we're trading for Dylan Cease or whomever else to fill that rotation spot. That would be the, the A.J. Preller trade, right? That'd be the Jerry Depoto trade, That's not a John Moselak trade deadline, but it's kind of what they could use if they get into a spot where they've got some guys with value, but they want to take a shot on maybe upgrading the rotation with a guy that's cost controlled and and under team control for a couple more years. That's the play. Do I imagine in a million years that John Moselak can thread that needle? No offense. It's just not something that he has had as his strong suit necessarily in recent years. So, um, that would be the way that it would make sense to me, Josh, but I just, it would be, you know, you kind of probably get where I'm coming from that it, we haven't really seen those kinds of moves from this front office recently. Uh, Matt's best start of the year last year and since he, when he hurt his knee, but it was, uh, like six and two thirds and giving up one run was, uh, beyond his best start and he got hurt. So yeah, maybe this will be a good spot for, for Matt's to kind of, uh, shed those demons and, and be able to have another good start and this time stay healthy through it. They could use seven from him so bad in his his start coming up. Like, it would be so valuable to this team. Dennis, with the Cardinals shutting... uh, Let me start again, Dennis. I apologize. With the Cardinals starting pitching so weak, they must have a shutdown bullpen. I wonder if the Royals would trade Chapman and not ask for an unreasonable return. The Royals would trade Chapman. I would make the case that the only reason the uh, the Royals signed Chapman when they did in, like, March or whatever it was, was specifically when they were out of the race... They thought they could kind of rebuild him into a guy that's tradable and and recoup some assets. I said it on the radio show on KTGR at the time because we talked some Royals, too. The show is based in mid-Missouri, so we get a little bit of action from both sides of the state. What I said at the time was the Royals are doing this to try and buy a couple prospects because in July they can turn whatever salary they paid to roll Chapman into prospects and that is a, a savvy move for a team that wasn't going to contend, and I think it's going to work for them. I don't know if the Cardinals would be so, so interested in Chapman, but, man, to have a prime type of Chapman arm to add to Gallegos and Helsley and, and Cabby and Hicks to take off the pressure, that's the kind of guy they absolutely need. Like, I would trade Tyler O'Neill for Chapman if Chapman, like, continued to be good and he's kind of a a, a bad human being, and so there's that aspect of it. But if you're just talking about productivity, I would trade Tyler O'Neill and that extra year of control for a good rental reliever that stabilizes the bullpen. I think that would be a move you make. Um, whether anybody even wants to do that, I don't know. But, like, just hypothetical, that would be something that I could see the Cardinals pursuing if O'Neill has the health to be able to, to play for whatever team he ends up getting traded to. And, again, that's such an up-in-the-air situation right now with the, the back injury and... Back injuries are always kind of vague because, like, is it a real injury? I assume that it is, of course. Um, I I don't doubt that he's dealing with discomfort, but it's also like kind of hard to diagnose. Where you say, "Well, his back kind of hurts." Like, yeah, I I'm sure it does. Um, how do you how do you make up a timeline for that? It's difficult. It's a comfort thing. It's a trust thing. Uh, and, and I don't doubt it. Like backs are tricky. You don't want to f with backs. And so I understand Tyler O'Neill in the position that he's in. But the Cardinals, the the position that they're in with him, has been. We've seen this sung and dance before, and he's had injuries and has not been able to be out there for them. And so that's where I think you get a little bit frustrated if you're the Cardinals. Uh, Paul got some autographs from Miles, Paul e. D, and Contreras on Saturday. His son and him were so hyped. Yeah, that's cool to see, Paul. Those are some good dudes that you were able to get some autos from. So that's cool that you and your son were able to do that. Uh, Dennis says three catchers on this team makes no sense. Be better off with a guy that can pitch it and possibly get a hit. I agree. I agree, and I don't think there is a 40-man roster crunch because you could take Jose Fermin and DFA. He's injured, younger middle infielder, but this team has so many middle infielders. It's not a commentary on Fermin. It's unfortunate that he got injured and couldn't show what he could do, but I would call up Luke and Baker. I would DFA a guy like Fermin if I had to, and I would put Luke and Baker on that bench and just say, I'd ah, take a shot. Cardinals don't seem to want to do it. They don't seem to believe that Luke and Baker's uh, performance recently is legit. And he could come up to the big leagues and just swing and miss at every curveball that he sees. Maybe he would. But that's what I would do rather than have Barrera on this roster. I, I just don't think it's a roster fit. And they've continued to do it. So, like, and, and the latest thing is the Libertor thing, which we don't know how that's going to play out. But they said he was going to be a sixth starter. And then they keep changing it a little by little by little by little. It's why I say if you want to question something that that sounds like the company line doesn't make sense, as a Cardinal fan, I can't tell you not to go ahead and question it as somebody who reports about the team, I'll still say, well, here's what their thought process is. Here's how they explain it. But I'm also in a role with KMOV where I'll editorialize it as well. And I'll say, I think it's bogus or I don't. Uh, there's just been too many of them. The messaging from this team has been really poor this year. It just has been. I, I think all the guys that are involved and are, are in prominent roles are good at their jobs. I think Bo does a great job. I think Ollie Marble does a great job. This team's got to improve the messaging. I guess they don't. Like, there's no actual real consequence from it. But their fan base is going to continue to go, what the heck's going on in there where this is a team that can't make up its mind and do what it says it's going to do? Um, that is that is real to me. It's not perceived. It's not you're a chicken little if you think it's been a weird year. It's been a weird year, and they they kind of got to get that under wraps, I think. It would benefit them to do so. Um, Steven, welcome in, says certainly would not be nice to give up five or six runs most nights. As is, it's a lot to ask from an offense, even when it's rolling like the Cardinals have been. How can we get it down to three or four a game? I wonder. Steven, I, it's a great question. They've got to consistently get through six innings, get efficient, throw strikes, but don't get hammered. Like it's that's the path to being able to 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 give the offense the break they need. Otherwise, you're gonna need that six, seven, eight runs a game. You just are. And it's it's unfortunate. How big was DeYoung as a prospect from Jesse? Um, as I recall it, he kind of was another one of those kind of Brendan Donovan types, Tommy Edmond types that um, kind of burst onto the scene and wasn't hugely regarded as a prospect, but once he got here, was playing well, playing right away, and then suddenly he was the dude. That was the story, as I recall, it from Paul DeYoung, his rookie season. Uh, he was fantastic, and he just became the Cardinal shortstop. Wasn't even like a long-term shortstop in the minors, I don't believe. I think that was kind of a recent development for him, and he came up, played as the shortstop in St. Louis, and then he was, and he, he could handle it defensively. That's kind of what happened with Paul E.D. Not a huge prospect, honestly, as I recall. Uh, and again, apologies, man. I am the the allergies are absolutely killing me. Um, I saw a comment from Adam asking about my favorite Rick Hummel story. Yeah, man, I was not ready for that, for that Monday morning to uh, to hear of the passing of Rick Hummel. He was a guy that was always so, you know, nice and cordial to everyone and friendly. Um, was was nice to me. Always, you know, fun conversations when you got to hear Kamish talk about baseball or hear his opinions on a game or anything like that in the press box uh, down there in Jupiter you know, commission would always run the NCAA brackets with the players. And, and uh, that was always a fun thing to get to, to be involved into um, down in spring training. Like he, he just, he loves sports, loved baseball. When you're going to work and you're already retired as he was at the end of last season, but he was still coming to work, going to the ballpark in the, the, the part of the ballpark that's named after him, literally the Bob Bregg, Rick Hummel press box. Like that's a sign that you love what you're doing. So, I talked about it on B Shape Daily a couple days ago. Or I guess this just would have been yesterday. <clears throat> um but yeah, man, we're gonna we're gonna really miss Rick Hummel. Favorite story? I mean there's there's a lot of stories. I mentioned this on Twitter that I like that the like just at the beginning of this year when the Cardinals were playing the Blue Jays, uh Kamish was there in the press box. And you know how before the game, when they play a team from Toronto, they're gonna do both and anth- both anthems. And uh, I don't remember if the O Canada was just instrumental or what it was, but Kamish was singing for the whole press box and uh, just, you know, absolutely going for it. I thought that was fun. Uh, but I, the, when he would tell stories, and last year at the Baseball Writers Dinner, uh, Derek Gould did, like, a sit-down kind of interview style with him, talking about different things. And, like, the stories Kamish could tell about being in the hotel room uh, with Muhammad Ali, like, just – Stuff that just would blow the mind. The guy did and saw everything there was to to do and see in sports. Muhammad Ali, Bob Gibson, Lou Brock, Stan Musial. I mean, the the experiences he had um just unprecedented. I I, I just really do believe. Um incredible. 50 years in St. Louis uh for the, the post dispatch. Like you read Rick Hummel. If you're a Cardinals fan, there's no way you didn't read Rick Hummel. He was just he was just so Uh, prominent and around for so long and did such a great job reported the truth. It's rare that you see somebody that universally respected in any industry, but that is what Kamish was, man. Um, And, and yeah, we're going to miss him for sure. Adam, thank you for bringing him up because I, I did talk about it on on the last podcast, but I didn't get a chance to do so live with you guys. So uh, appreciate that opportunity to kind of talk about that a little bit there too. Allison says, still not a fan of the new schedule where we play everyone balanced schedule, will having less division games make a difference in the standings at the end of the season? Yeah, and Arenado mentioned this the other day, Allison, where he said all divisional, all September baseball should be divisional games, in his opinion, but it's not going to be the case. The Cardinals don't see the Brewers again until September. They don't see the Cubs after July. It's absolutely crazy. It may be August that they play them. I may have misspoke on that, but I know that I looked, and they do not play the Cubs in September, and that is crazy to me that the balanced schedule has done that. So that's that's one thing that I do think is a little bit crazy about it. And it will have an impact to, to not be able to take advantage of divisional games late. There will still be some, but it's not going to be the same as it was. You're going to have to. I mean, every game matters. It always did, but I think it's a little bit of a different tune to it now. I do. Yeah, the balanced schedule stuff is interesting to talk about. No doubt about that. Uh, Aaron says, people just enjoy Pauly D. It's really cool that he figured it out. What a great story. Enjoy it. Thank you. I agree with you, Aaron. I agree with you. Aaron says that the the way note of the bullpen comment also was not intended to be a right now question, but maybe post deadline. Yeah, I think he could be a reverse kind of pitcher in the bullpen, Aaron, if he had to go there, uh, throw a lot of curveballs, spot the fastball. Um, I think that could work out to answer your question. Gabe wants to know the chances of the Cardinals picking up the Young's option next year. Um, I, I think he would have to just maintain it through the whole year. And so I think, Gabe, the better question is how, how likely is it to, that you would believe he would do that, that he would maintain, you know, an 850 or higher OPS? Because if he does that, he'll be worth the, the price of, of it. And they will have seen a full year. Because, like, right now, mentally, we're all still kind of going, all right, but is it going to happen where the Young just kind of falls off a little bit? Everybody's thinking it. I hope that people can just enjoy it like we're, we've had the, the commenters say, but a lot of people, I think, are kind of thinking that way. But if he goes the whole year, and right now he's a 987 OPS, if he goes 850 for the whole year, yeah, Gabe, I think they're picking it up, even at 20 million or whatever it is. Like, I think they probably would. So, I, you know, that's, is it likely? I don't know. I don't know what to expect. If he falls off and then ends up, his final OPS is 790. Um, that's where it gets interesting because I don't think he ends up being worth that, and it would mean that his final four months or whatever were not nearly as strong as the first, uh, you know, month or so that he's gone through so far, and so it would be a different decision. But it's just going to depend on how he continues, Gabe. To be honest with you, man, young <clears throat> being a rookie All Star was awesome that year, and he came out of kind of nowhere. Like not nowhere, if you followed the Cardinal system, but other teams, if their fans didn't know who Paul DeYoung was until he until he showed up. Uh, Trevor said on the Lucan thing, "How will we ever know if he's any good until he gets a shot, or it'll just take him getting to the Rockies? Yeah, trade him to the Rockies today, and then we find out. That's what the Cardinals should do. It would be the most fair thing to him." Um, Eric, the question of where you're going to play Baker—that's—it doesn't matter. He's the bench bat. Um, he'd be a straight DH or first baseman. No, he—he'd he'd be in the Barrera role. We're to, we, we, the context there, Eric, was we we're talking about Trace Barrera, and I. I would rather see Luke and Baker off the bench than that. That's kind of what I'm looking at. Um, and you say he would play less than Barrera. It makes no sense. It doesn't make no sense. When they need a bat at the end of a game, like like yesterday, for instance, Barrera took it at bat. They could have had, you know, Luke and Baker come in, take that at bat in the 10th inning instead. <clears throat> and if you think Luke and Baker's not a better bat than Barrera, that's fine. But then you could have had Wilson Contreras come in to be the catcher. You, you burn the DH, but you're not going to go into the 13th inning where that's going to even be a factor. So, yeah, I think that's the situation that I'm looking at for sure. Um, a giant that never made anyone feel small. Yep, man is uh, a legend for sure. No doubt about it. Uh, Luke and Baker to the Rockies for Austin Gomer. Yeah, you never know. You never know. Uh, Zach said, I hadn't heard that, but all division games being the last month of the season would be fire. Agree with that too. Adam says good stuff. Uh, I think we've kind of rounded out the comments a little bit here. And I told myself we weren't going to do this two hour show because people have told me, they said, I can't listen to the whole thing on replay. If I miss it live, I like to listen in the morning, but I don't have two hours to listen. And so I've made this go a little bit long. Um, but you guys had great questions tonight. Eventually, I would love to get these lives to where they're closer to an hour 15, maybe hour 30 tops. But hey, it is what it is. We had a lot to get to tonight, and so that is the case. If I did miss your comment, I apologize. Eventually, the Super Chats will be coming, and then you'll be able to really help me out. Um, I don't even know how that works if you have to pay a little bit or I, I get a little bonus from it somehow. Uh, Eric says, love the long streams. Ignore the haters. Yeah, I'm to the bottom of the comments, so if you want to tell me something now, now's your chance because I'm going to see it right away. But when we get to 1,000 followers, or I should say subscribers, which we are going to do, uh, if it kills me, <laughs> five-hour stream, no, but I could do a watch party at some point. I can't show the broadcast. I can't do any of that. But we can watch along together if you think that would be fun during a game. That might be something we could consider um, eventually. But once we get a thousand subscribers on the channel, we can do the super likes and the super chats and things like that. Where if you if you really need to get my the comment out in front, you can you know pay twenty five cents. Or I have no idea how it works. Um, but uh, just trying to to make this thing go, and you guys are helping me do it. Um, Check out the Patreon, too, if you really want to help me out and support me that way. Uh, we'll get some more content going on there. I haven't done it this week, but I'll, I'll, maybe tomorrow will be the day we we put some fresh Patreon juice up there. Patreon.com slash bshafer12. Uh, make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you're following on Spotify. Even if you don't listen on Spotify to get my followers up, that always helps, too. Uh, so you guys are doing a great job of helping me out, and I hope that I'm giving you content that's worthwhile. So Uh, that's the name of the game. Thank you guys so much for being with me. Allison, thank you as well. Love the streams. Uh, Zach said, reserve the long shows for, like, a Friday night game. Yeah, it's tough, though, because sometimes I'm out and about on a Friday, too. But all all the feedback helps, too, guys. Like, I may say, eh, I don't know if I can do that, but the fact that each of you are saying, here's what I like, here's what we think, that helps me tremendously because over the course of time I get to learn Here's what everybody does appreciate, and I want to be a man of the people and help you out with that. Um, try to get it to 50 likes by liking before you get out of here. Otherwise, I'm sure the people in the morning will take care of it. Corn, uh, we're getting closer to 1,000 subs. We just – tell your friends. Tell your friends, and uh, I'll, I'll start spamming my Twitter followers because they're happy to do it. I just got to ask them sometimes, and we'll get to 1,000, and then we'll really be able to do some special things here on the show and on the stream. So thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next time on Be Safe Daily Live. Peace.